Welcome to A Novel Life, a podcast about living life in a novel way. I am Lauren Ruth Martin, a licensed therapist here with pep talks and life hacks to help you embrace the mess. Please keep in mind that where I am a therapist, I am not your therapist, so make sure you are doing the work with somebody that knows your story more. Let's start the show. Y'all, I am doing so much new stuff right now. I'm currently recording something on a new software and I don't know how I feel about it. So now I'm thinking this is probably how people feel whenever their therapist suggests something new. Um, so forgive me. Um, I'm just adjusting. Um, and that it seems like it's been a lot of adjusting for me lately. I've been really trying to push myself to learn new things, to, um, put systems into place to make my life easier. And it's been really interesting. It's been, I I didn't realize like how, how much, how much, how slow it would take for me to adjust, like even in this moment. But I think, I think I'm going to be okay. Y'all just tell me, Lauren, you're going to be okay. Um, And it's also just been like super interesting. I just received a text before starting uh, recording this show. It's from my brother-in-law and he just like sent like a really nice text message. And, you know, I just want to like kick out off the show, just kind of going back to this whole thing. Like if you write, like if you write poetry, if you write short stories, if you just kind of write for fun, you're a writer if you draw, you're an artist. If you're a podcast, if you make podcasts, you're a podcaster. I have been feeling like always a ton of imposter syndrome and a lot of sort of an RODBT, we would call fatalistic mind of, you know, what's the point? And I think that's something that most of us, if we are perfectionists or aspirational at all, that what's the point, even if we do get praise, like my lovely brother-in-law just sent, like we get the praise and it feels good, but it, for some reason, it just doesn't sit with us. And I just want to affirm for y'all this week that whatever you're doing, like even if it's a hobby, I think we've really got to go back and this could probably be a whole other podcast episode. I think we have to go back to things not having to be like monetized in order to be valuable. I like to dance. So I am a dancer. Am I a professional dancer? No. Am I even like a dance class attender? Not at this moment in my life but I am a dancer. I, you know, I was a cheerleader and sometimes like, I don't think I, if I went to an open gym that I could claim that again, but it's this idea of, you know, we are so much more than what we do and the things that we do have value. Even if there's not a grade, even if there's not a no price ticket on it or a bill that we get for it or, or anything like that. What we do inherently has value because it adds something to our lives. And that's really going to tie into the theme of our show today. We're going to talk about the idea of guilty pleasures and just having no shame this November around the things that bring us joy. Um, so I'm really excited to chat with y'all about that. We're also going to delve a little bit into envy. Y'all did vote on Instagram and I just decided to combine both in the episode. So buckle up. We have a lot to chat about and let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
All right, y'all asked for it. So here is our little overview of Envy. It also falls in line with going over a RODBT skill. Now, in this part of the show, I either go over a skill um, related to a therapy modality or I answer one of your questions. So if you have a question, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Lauren Ruth Martin, and I am happy to answer it with you or at least chat a little bit about it. All right. So Envy, um, there's a full episode that really goes into depth about this um, skill in particular, and it's called Envy is not a four letter word. So make sure you hop on that in the feed. But when it comes to this time of year and Envy for sure starts to spark up because of things like Christmas cards, all the like you know, holiday announcements and everybody's doing their fabulous sort of life. And envy oftentimes is seen as this like bad or negative thing. But really what envy is, is that it's a reminder of things that we value. And people often wonder like, well, what's the difference between envy and jealousy? And the way that it's broken down, at least in RODBT terms, is that we really don't worry about the verbiage of envy versus jealousy. Typically, so I'll veer off of this for two seconds, typically jealousy has to do with an element of competitiveness or feeling like something was entitled to you to begin with. And it can, that's, that's where jealousy typically is. But in RO, what we do is we look at helpful or unhelpful envy and then unhelpful envy can prompt us to go one of two ways, either shameful envy where we hide, we isolate, we don't really disclose, we get kind of sheepish with how we feel. Um, and we tend to remove ourselves because the envy that we have, you know, we have, we feel some type of way about it. And then there's envious anger, which in a way mirrors a lot of like how we feel when we feel jealous, we become very competitive, typically a little bit vindictive, dare I say, revengeful or unskillfully petty. I do believe that you can be skillfully petty. And when it comes to this, both shameful envy and envious anger, they both isolate. So if you think about it, shameful envy isolates because you withdraw and envious anger isolates because you push away. And what essentially the dares skill is, is to break it down really quick. You determine if you're experiencing unhelpful envy, you're going to admit your envy, and then you're going to recognize your envious thoughts and action urges. D, A, and R all go together. Then the E and the S, you're only going to do one of two. And it depends on if you're experiencing that envious, envious anger or that shameful envy. And since we're kind of doing the quick and dirty version of breaking down the skill, if I were to break it down in the simplest of terms, if you're experiencing envious anger, the idea is, is to engage in skills that release the tension from your body, take a step back, get from a 10 to like a seven. We're not trying to completely get rid of anger, you know, so we're going to just take that step back. We're going to see what's going on. We're going to loosen our grip on this belief that things should be a certain way. And we're going to go opposite to that. So that's mainly taking care of ourselves, removing ourselves from the situation and also disengaging from anything that we may do to make the situation worse. Now, when it comes to shameful envy, 
what we have to do is sort of keep ourselves from shutting down. So we got to turn it up a little bit and we, it's really helpful if we find somebody to connect with and admit that we're experiencing this envy, especially if it's somebody that we're close to. Um, this was something that I actually have this very big, vivid memory in my mind. It was a friend that um, we are, we lived near each other. And this is when I was with the next boyfriend and she was getting married and we were able just to have this really candid conversation. It was at the pool. It felt very much like um, Laguna Beach, the Hills-esque of us having like this conversation in the corner, but we were able to connect because I told her, hey, like I'm having trouble showing up to this stuff because I am experiencing envy and we were able to work through it and she was able to support me in ways and I was able to be more present for her during such an exciting time in her life. So the main takeaways from this, I would encourage y'all just to take inventory of if you are experiencing envy, which way do you lean? Do you lean more towards anger? Do you lean more towards um, shameful isolation? And then from there, consider meeting in the middle. So it's not like a hard, hard and fast flip. Just figure out some ways to 10% either decrease your anger or increase your connection. Um, if you're interested in learning more about radically open DBT skills, you can download the grow RO app in the app store. Let's take one more quick break. And when we get back, let's break down no shame, November. Want to support a novel life? Here are a few ways that you can rate, review, subscribe, log on to laurenruthmartin.com slash social. I have some amazing partnerships where you get some cool discount codes, including new Harbinger books and surely non-alcoholic wines. You can also access my e-courses and sign up for the newsletter, laurenruthmartin.com slash social. No shame, November. I'm sure that is probably something trademarked somewhere, but this is just for one episode. So no shame, November. Um, you're like, what does this mean? Well, um, this actually um, started from a therapy session last week and they know that um, I'm not going to bust their details all over this, but they know that I wanted to make a podcast episode from it because they were talking about how they were really excited. They were going to decorate their, um, their apartment for Christmas <laughs> and they felt a little bit of shame about it. And I just looked at them. I was like, you know what, if it freaking brings you joy, just go do it. Like life is hard enough. Being an adult is hard enough. Just go live your life. Like if you, if you want your, your Christmas tree up all year, by all means go for it. Like I will never forget. There was this, um, <laughs> there was this condo, uh, near my house and they kept like this pink Christmas tree up way past Christmas. And it was still in the midst of the pandemic. And my husband and I, every time we would drive by, it was like, you know what? Life is hard. And if you want a pink Christmas tree year round, like who are we to say that that is wrong? And, you know, there's been this concept of guilty pleasures discussed for a long time and a little bit of shame. And now with the whole chuggy thing, um, whole episode's been done on that. But I apparently I saw on my Instagram feed that Gen Z has now said that blonde hair is chuggy. So between that and skinny jeans, like I am just full on 
full, full chug, no shame in my game, no shame, November, no shame for the rest of my life because I'm going to do me. And it taps into this whole idea of why am I justifying the things that I am wearing? Why am I justifying, you know, my, my decor choices or when I choose to celebrate holidays? And if we think about the function of shame, so this is how the rest of this episode is going to break down. We're going to talk about the function of shame, why shame even exists. Um, we're going to see how that ties into the status quo and a sort of like maintaining, you know, being gatekeepers of culture, whatever that may be. And then what we can do to really embrace no shame November. So when we think about the function of shame, the function of shame was really like for us to feel shame that it has to do with our status in our tribe. And when I use the word tribe, I'm talking about the tribal nature. Tribe is a word often used in RODBT, like when we're going back to like our tribal nature. Because humans, like some other animals, but specifically humans, we were created to be in community. A lot of our reasons that we've been able to survive up until this point have been because we can collect resources, we can work together. And the idea of shame is something that has been used really to maintain some sort of collaboration, cohesion, status awareness within the tribe. However, as life has evolved and our tribes have become, you know, very modernized, shame now exists um, probably in some unhelpful ways, more than likely, absolutely in some unhelpful ways. So if we think about modern day function of shame, when we're scanning, we're constantly assessing for safety. And when we're assessing for safety, we're always wondering, are we in or are we out? You know, like Project Runway, are we in or are we out? And when we don't feel like we belong, we, we feel shame. And if we think about it, that's a survival emotion because back in the day, if you did something that was, was to bring shame to yourself or to the tribe, you would die. And so we experience that shame. So we know what's going on so that we can prepare ourselves to protect. Oftentimes we protect when we're in shame by hiding or doubling down. So when we think about this idea of whether we're in or if we're out in that function of shame, it's going to evolve depending on the context. So for example, if I love pumpkin spice lattes and I am with my friends on a brisk October morning just so happening to like meet up for like a brunchy brunch or something. And I walk in with a lovely pumpkin spice latte in hand, knowing that my friends are also fellow PSLers. My likelihood of shame is going to be really low because I know like because of the, the, of, I have awareness that in this moment I belong now let's say I'm going to go hang out with my brother who is a coffee connoisseur and he, he was in town this weekend and he got me a bag of Onyx coffee. I'm actually probably going to make some tomorrow, but like, let's say I like roll up 
with I, you know, my brother's friends and they're all at barista parlor, which is like a really good coffee shop in Nashville. And I request a pumpkin spice latte and I get that look like this is not Starbucks, honey. Like what the, what is the deal? I've now broken the status quo. I've now outed myself for not being in tribe with everybody and where, yeah, they're not going to kill me like they would maybe do back way back in the day. But that feeling and that survival mechanism is kicking in so that I can like go save face somehow. And when we think about this idea of, of, you know, guilty pleasures or shame, especially for things that we love, we're really protective of what we love. It's things that we care about. And, and in fact, like we are very much a culture of personal brand and we all have this personal identity and we've, you know, are you a Hufflepuff or a, a Slytherin? I cannot believe I just pulled that out. I've never seen any Harry Potters and I do experience shame whenever I admit that. But like we we're still trying to build, even as adults, we're trying to build an identity and we have found ourselves clinging to these things. Um, and I'm sure for my super woke people out there, you'd say, yes, that's internalized capitalism. And you know what? It just might be, but that is a topic for another day. When it comes to this idea of shame and chronic shame, when we've experienced chronic shame, if we feel like we haven't really belonged, we're going to be more susceptible for just apologizing for existing. Or if we've been put in environments like where they were very different from us and where they may not have explicitly told us that what we did, thought or felt, you know, was wrong. If we have that sort of embedded in us, we're going to be more likely to apologize for who we are or double down and just tell people to shove off. And when we get caught up in that, like if we begin hiding the things that we love, if we begin pushing people away, very much like envy, it's the same sort of concept of when we become envious, when we get wrapped up in our shame, especially for things that we love, we're going to either isolate or we're going to push away. And what that leads to is being alone and shame loves, 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 like shame is like mold in the corner of your bathtub. It loves being in the dark. It loves not getting in here. It's like a smothering, gross feeling. And y'all know my girl, Brene Brown talks all about that. So when we get wrapped up in our shame, especially if you're things that we love, we're not only disconnecting ourselves from others, which is what we were designed to exist in, we're then now denying ourselves the joy of really being able to enjoy the things that we love in life. And especially nowadays, when we think about like gatekeeping culture and like the status quo, you know, what's hard is that we're on both sides of the coin. You know, sometimes we're the ones experiencing shame and sometimes we're the ones shaming others. We've been on both sides of the sword and we know what we're capable of thinking. And sometimes we may assume that others are thinking exactly as we are. So therefore we feel more shame. It's just a never ending shame cycle. Isn't that so much fun? <laughs> it's so much fun, Lauren. Just tell me how to get out of it. One more thing I want y'all to consider before we talk about like how to break out of it is that we have to consider the amount of feedback that we are getting in a day. 
not only from those around us, but through social media, like through, I mean, I literally saw a thing that was like Gen Z's canceling blondes. And I'm like, I just dyed my hair blonde. That is feedback that is basically saying that I am chuggy and I should like not, you know, that I am an embarrassment to society. And it's that feedback that if we're not mindful of the content that we're consuming, the people that we allow into our lives, the people that we allow opinions to come from, it's going to definitely impact our view of ourselves, our view of our world. And it's going to hold us back from truly being connected and authentic. So how do we do No Shame November? How do we do it? The first thing that I want y'all to do I want you to take a minute. So maybe just pause this podcast for a moment. And I want you just to sit and think or journal or type out in your notes app on your phone, the things that truly bring you joy. Is it the Hallmark movies? Is it (laughs) Henry made fun of me so much? He doesn't understand how listening to like 50 year old women um, scream at each other at brunch is soothing, but it, it somehow brings me joy. Just like, you know, bang, bang, blow up movies brings him joy. It, it just something hits the serotonin just right. What are the things that really bring you joy? What are the things that just make you feel like who you are? Is it fuzzy socks? Is it putting on makeup? Is it going to work out? Is it staying in bed an extra five minutes? What brings you joy? And then what brings on the shame related to your joy? Is that external messages? Is that, um, is it possible that the things that you think you love, you really don't love? You were just told that you were supposed to like them. You know, some people just don't like pumpkin spice lattes. Some people just don't like Starbucks. But yet they will go force themselves to drink Starbucks because that's what everybody else is doing. And so what you have to think about is, y'all, it just goes back to values, but I'm not going there right now. I want you to take a moment, write down what you love and what gets in the way of you fully embracing those things that you love. So you're going to take some time and journal that. Oh, I actually paused. (laughs) I forgot that you were going to (laughs) pause. Wow, Lauren, it is, it is late. I will give myself that. Okay. So once you journal and you do some reflecting, what I want you to do is to commit to fully throwing yourself into at least one to two of these things. Um, Especially if you have removed some of that out of your life. Um, for example, I have always loved wearing animal print. I have a picture of me, a freshman year of high school, wearing a leopard print skirt. And I thought I was so cool. And there was a pretty long period in my life, like where I didn't wear it. And I think it like, it wasn't cool. It wasn't like necessarily on my radar, but now that it has reentered my life, I will shamelessly buy animal print because I like it. I feel good when I have it on and there's no need for me to challenge or change it. I don't care if I have like, you know, 20 different types of a leopard print, um, you know, cardigan, like that works for me. And I think it's this idea of like, what, what's going to work for you? What's going to like, how can you let yourself work 
for you. And when you think about countering it, this is like, so here's the thing. Once you identify what you love and you start doing more of it, you have to be mindful of your posture with it. So if I'm rocking my 25th animal print, like leopard cardigan, and I'm going into work and I know that like some of my clients that have seen me for a while, especially if they're weekly, they are more than likely seeing like the same animal print. And I'm not going to like, I'm going to walk in with my head held high. I'm not going to act as if what I am wearing is necessarily, you know, taboo or passe. Like I'm not going to act like I have this like scarlet letter on my chest. What I'm going to do is just act as if I'm not as, as if I'm doing nothing wrong. Like we talk about this in the sage in the sage skill and radically open DBT, you know, the idea is, is to not apologize for doing anything wrong because what you're doing is likely not shameful. You know, putting up your Christmas decor in November is nothing to be ashamed of. If it brings you joy, if it brings you life, hallelujah, like go for it. And when you think about this, like in, a, in the sense of, okay, if you tend to shrink, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to keep, you're going to take up space and you're going to take up space through your posture. And if you tend to double down, you have to watch your cynicism. You have to watch the self-deprecation. You have to watch how much you attack other people's joyous things. Because if you're the type of person that tends to double down whenever you feel shame or you feel like something is being attacked of you, what you're doing is not only implying that what you're doing needs to be defended, you're also then robbing somebody else of their joy. Now, that is... Like that is very different than defending yourself from somebody being derogatory towards you. So when I talk about this idea of not shrinking or not doubling down, it's when we're, we have to be mindful of how we're perceiving threats or how we're perceiving anticipated shame. If you tend to sit in shame, I need y'all to, to hear me out. You may have to begin you need to start scaling from zero to a hundred, zero to 10, like a shame a meter. But also you have to start curiously and kindly questioning whether that anticipated shame that you're experiencing is legit. There is probably a slight chance. There's always the possibility that you aren't going to be wrong. And how much of that are you holding on to and how is that holding you back? You know, if you are, let's just say you like went full on TJ Maxx Home Goods Winter Wonderland in your living room and you have friends coming over and it is November 2nd, like you went for it. When you have people come in and people are like, oh my gosh, you're already decorated. Like if it's people that you feel safe with, be mindful of how you may quickly jump to defending yourself or how you may quickly jump into like, you know, being snippy about it. And like, it's this idea of, yeah, it's November 2nd and I am a grown adult and I get to decorate my house. However, like, do you like it? Is it sparkly? Do you think I should add more nutcrackers to my mantle? What do you think I should do? You know, it's the idea of people will receive 
what we people will more than likely, hopefully, fingers crossed, will receive that what we're doing is okay if we present it as okay. I'm not saying to not keep others' needs into consideration, you know, but for many, for many people that I work with, and for many of y'all that I imagine listen to this podcast, there's very much a default posture of just apologizing for you existing, for having a little bit of shame, for being like chuggy. <laughs> I like fully embrace being chuggy. I am here for it. I actually considered buying new ankle length, not full length Uggs, just because it, it seems quite lovely. But, you know, this idea of just apologizing for existing, like we, you haven't been allowed to have a posture of taking up space. I would encourage you to begin experimenting with this now and, and, and becoming more comfortable with living a little bit less apologetically. The idea is to find a middle ground with this. So if you tend to be a double downer, I don't need you swinging all the way to like meek little like, okay, like it's okay. And if you're meek, I don't need you, you know, popping off and telling people to like shove off if they don't like Hallmark movies. There's a way to sit in the middle with this. And what we're trying to do is to be open that we have the right to live our lives as we choose and to also give people the same freedom to do the same also. And when we think about no shave, no shave, that's what it is, but no shame November, I would encourage y'all to start with the things again, that might be put in the category of guilty pleasures, start with the fun, small things. You know, if that's like wearing a red lip, if that is, um, you know, listening to the Taylor Swift album, I'm not a Swifty. I'm just going to own it. I'm not a Swifty. Um, like whatever that is for you, start with the more leisurely, lighthearted, fun things. That's going to give you muscle memory for when these bigger shame spirals tend to start. You're, you can become more comfortable with going opposite to it and li- living in your truth, but living in yourself so that you actually begin liking yourself and not apologizing for existing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe the podcast. It helps get the word out and sharing is caring. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Lauren Ruth Martin. There's also a link, laurenruthmartin.com slash social. Tons of great freebies, some discount codes. Those are ways that you can support the show and it's greatly appreciated. I'm so thankful for y'all. I hope that you have the week you're going to have and I'll see you next week.